three. Okay, we got everything working. We got the multiple angles. We got our special guest. All right. It's all good now. So. Yo, Tav. There's microphone. A little more this way. Oh, wait. Will he be in the frame then? He's kind of a little out of the picture. Wait, Scooch. Like. And then try to move your mic. Or move yourself a little. Oh, wait. That obscures Tav. All right. To the left. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Oh, it's all good. I tried. Paid for effort. Yes. All right. Okay. Welcome to the Pursuit of Productivity podcast. With us today, we have myself, Killian, across from me, Cody, and to his right, Tav. And today, our special guest is none other than Jack B. Weiss, owner and runner of the streetwear fashion brand Hermitage, HRMTG. Would you like to introduce yourself, my friend? Yes, my name is Jack Ruiz. I am a designer and artist, or at least I like to erroneously dub myself those titles. Um, but I own a clothing brand, a vintage uh, online shop, and I also run a design agency for small clothing brands. But yeah, that's a brief synopsis of what I'm about. And Mr. Weiss, when did you start all of this um, entrepreneurial design well, sort of stuff. I definitely followed the entrepreneurial path that I feel most people start with, you know, mowing lawns when you're 10, 12, you know, doing yard work for your neighbors. But I'd say my first quote unquote real entrepreneurial clothing journey started when I was perhaps 15, 16, sophomore year of high school. I turned my passion into clothes and thrifting into an actual income stream that was, you know, buying clothes. Uh, from, you know, thrift stores, vintage shops, garage sales and whatnot, and kind of curating them and building a theme and really marketing them and, you know, focusing on storytelling and brand building a, in a bit and just presenting the product in a, in a peaceable way. And eventually I was able to make some decent moves with that. Um, Hannah Maloche, who's a YouTuber, she bought some stuff. And also Emma Chamberlain uh, followed my shop, so that was pretty good. Dude, really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's an achievement right there. Yeah, I'm still that's that's probably my biggest flex to date. Um just the fact that she she ordered her phone one day. This is over quarantine. Just she opened her phone one day. Like it's crazy to me that within a couple of clicks she could like see my stuff. Like she could open an app and like click once and see my stuff. That's crazy to me. But Is that Depop? Yeah, Depop. Um that was twenty twenty one, I think. Uh still my biggest flex to date. I'm still trying to get her to buy something someday, but we'll see. Um, Imagine she wore it in a post. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Uh, Big. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. What one thing or another, what truly inspired you to be like, I want to do this? Uh, I wouldn't say it was a moment of revelation. I mean, the means was definitely a real moment of revelation, but I've always had this characteristic tendency for independence and kind of wanting to do things my own way. I'd say the revelation was realizing that you know, there's a way to do this through entrepreneurship. I had always been into entrepreneurship too. Like it sounds corny now, but when I was 10 to probably 13, 14, I would always read, you know, investing books, self-help books. I kind of went through that journey very early on, I feel like. So I knew there was this path available. It was just finding the means within the, in the path because entrepreneurship is very broad, you know, but you can obviously like find specific avenues within this broad path. So, um, it had it'd been there certainly i'd say it was just natural 
just finding it naturally, I guess, and just learning about it over time. Because I didn't do it. Like, I was learning about it, but I didn't really do it for a while, in a few years, because there's not really a whole lot you can do when you're 12 to 14 besides yeah. mow lawns and stuff. But I was still... Steal from your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nah, they were literally the type of dudes to say, don't spend that all in one place. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I literally would at, like, the comic book store. <laughs> Yeah. That was a very entrepreneurial of me. I would blow all my money at the comic book store. That's awesome. But yeah, um, I say it was just revelation, micro revelations over time, just learning and kind of growing. And there was definitely moments. I'm trying to think of this if there's any. I'd say there's this YouTuber I wa- used to watch. His name was um, Paul Cantu. He was a thrifting YouTuber. And that's when I. Like, that's a very specific example because that's when I realized that I could sell clothes or, like, I could make money off my taste for clothes. Like, clothes I like, I find a goodwill, I could sell those. So that was uh, probably one of the earliest actual very specific entrepreneurial things. And I guess investing to, like, oh, it's accessible, I can do it too. This was kind of pre-Robin Hood and stuff like that. So investing was still, I was on, I was way under 18 at the time. But um, just realizing that, yeah. To make an account. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, because if I would have started investing then, I don't even think they had, like, a merit trade or anything. I would have had to have gone to a broker, like, old school. But, um, but yeah, just that YouTuber, just other YouTubers like that who is reading in, reading in a book or hearing about it on a podcast from, like, some millionaire is pretty daunting sometimes. But, you know, if you see, like, a smaller YouTuber or, whatnot actually like make money through these entrepreneurial ways like it's too yeah exactly it's a lot more accessible and it's more realistic too they're i mean they're not touting large numbers like oh i did three million on shopify today they're they're talking about like having fun and making enough to justify that continued uh activity so yeah i'd say just micro micro relations there's definitely like i'm sorry <laughs> so uh i actually looked on your uh instagram i think it was he sent me a link to it um, what is the message that you're trying to portray with your clothes? Um, so the message with the clothes is I'll try not to make this too long winded, but the abbreviation HRMTG, it's historical reinterpretations made through garments. And basically I want to treat the clothes as like a canvas and a means through visually exploring art, history, design, history, fashion, history, just kind of raising questions on the significance. The overall brand of the goal is or goal of the brand is to kind of empower the individual to make their own decisions about clothing and kind of define the clothes that they wear and not let the clothes that they wear define them. Does that make sense? Yeah. By, by imbuing, you know, these clothes with a higher meaning or hopefully... And I mean, it means something to everyone, something different to everyone, um, but I mean, this is the meaning that I ascribe to it. I don't hearken about it too much in the brand communications just because I kind of want to leave that open to the customer, like, this is the story that I tell, but I'm not going to make you think that that's the only thing it can mean. I mean, that is why it's historical reinterpretations, because these are, you know, historical imageries and historical graphics, but they're meant to be reinterpreted, and I have reinterpreted them myself, and they can continue to be reinterpreted. Like, to someone, this can mean something, to someone, it'll mean something else. I mean, the cycle continues, and that's also a reference to the way that fashion moves. It's reinterpreted its past and just reinvents and moves on and continual like even down to the font of my logo it's aerial bold italic and i have the italic and the bold just to represent the movement of history and fashion it's always moving forward it's always bold it's unapologetic it's just always in motion 
that's why I like to use the kind of the vague historical symbol. That's basically the meaning of the brand, just reinterpreting, moving on, um, always in motion. I like to use pieces that are, or I use designs that are or actual silhouettes, like the actual garments themselves are pretty, it's something you can wear while you're in motion, mo in motion and movement. They're not very, Swear. they're not very encumbersome yeah they're not very cumbersome you know you can wear them while you're active it's like hoodies sweatpants all that for now it's like a comical um, but like almost profound juxtaposition between yeah. the, like the accessibility of the clothing juxtaposed mm -hmm. with the you know sort of aristocracy of the, a lot of the prints you use mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to in a way almost ironically you blend you know these high elements of art and whatnot with you know accessible sweatpants uh accessible in means of like how much it requires to really wear like anyone can wear sweatpants anyone can wear you know a t-shirt like but a wired dress though yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like there's a cummerbund <laughs> yeah there's there's this ironic kind of juxtaposition you know you've got these overly cumbersome garments depicted on Sweat. just a simple t-shirt yeah it's like kind of a a fun uh juxtaposition uh or just like the night graphic that i love to use or just like a lot of these pieces, what I always think of is a lot of these pieces that, you know, you see on the runway, they're very cool, but only a certain number of people can wear them. So to get my message to the widest audience possible, I chose to use um, that were a little bit more accessible in terms of what it required to actually wear, because not everyone's going to feel comfortable wearing the stuff that's more out there, uh, garment-wise, like actual silhouette-wise. So yeah, that's why I chose. And, it, you know, it's more active and it has... It's accessible to more situations or um, efficient for more ex uh, situations. Like after the gym, you can wear it before school, you know, pretty much any time. You're trying to make high fashion, you know, accessible at all, all times. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. High fashion, like the metaphysics of high fashion, like the high fashion, like high fashion concept. of high fashion. Yeah, yeah. Like, but perpetually, as yeah, opposed to like yeah. weird ensembles that they throw together that like yeah. you and I and like normal looking mm -hmm. people who aren't models would look goofy in you know mm -hmm. like the Lady Gaga meat suit yeah what was that <laughs> I might actually be able to pull that off <laughs> now Cody Co yeah you could you could dude I'd be, I'd be seeing stuff on the runway like I've seen some YouTube videos of runways and some of the stuff on runways is you kind of look at it and you're like dude who would wear that that's, you know I'm like, it's that's like a, a reptilian yeah it's <laughs> like very handful of people would actually wear something like that so I understand it's all about design and stuff but I think it's better to make something that everybody can wear. And I'm realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm they're all definitely about a message. Like when it's on the yeah, runway, it's yeah. about a message. But I'm trying to like take that message and spread it through means that's a little bit more like appeasable to a regular person. You know, like if you see say a specific painting in a gallery, like it's only enjoyed by a few, but if you can take that painting, that same graphic and put it on, say, a poster or a canvas i mean it's the graphic means itself which speak it if that makes sense like you can but if you put that on a wider um like something that can be diffused more often and just on wider mediums then you know the enjoyment of that piece can really be spread so yeah like i'm trying to take what the message like the message the pieces on the runway are the original artworks but like, i consider my pieces almost the posters like a canvas the new yeah canvas. yeah like you're breathing new life into at mm -hmm. one point in history was like the most printmaking mm -hmm. was the most cutting edge technology like with the Gutenberg press or just printmaking in general before that. Mm -hmm. So it, you're almost like it's an 
retelling of that story mm-hmm. in a contemporary, you know, American or I guess worldwide thing. You had that Irish rapper guy, mm-hmm. uh, rapper set, yeah. Yeah. um, bro, way. You really painted a picture in my mind with those allergies, my gooster. I thought it was that <laughs> very well. Yeah, when when somebody talks about a brand like that, it actually makes me want to buy it more. Exactly. Because I don't really like brands that, you know, you're like, there's no backstory to it. Or no meaning. Yeah, it's like you kind of look at it, it's like they kind of just threw something together. Like Lowe's. Yeah, I like I like brands with actual, like, meaning behind it. So when I wear it, you know, it's like I support this, you know. Yeah, not print to order. Because yeah. with Jack's uh, HRMTG, Hermitage, I like to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he prints it all himself. Really? He's looking to outsource. However, he's been doing it handmade as well as he's, like, des- catered and designed this, like, perfect, super high-quality, luxurious-feeling um, package experience, which is huge in, like, aesthetic mm-hmm. intelligence and just kind of, like, let- making a lasting impression. Would you um care to explain why you put so much detail and care into your products as well as package experience? So, I is I almost like it more than the product itself. I do love the product. Don't get me wrong, but it's also about experience. Yeah, it's also about experience too. I mean, people. I think of a good example. People. I don't think people would buy as much, say, Gucci or Louis Vuitton if the packaging was not up to par of. Not even what the pieces itself, like it can be a dainty bracelet, but the packaging itself just elevates the experience so much more. And the reason I love to put so much effort into it is the more objects you have associated with, you know, your piece, the richer that brand world is, that brand experience is. If it's just a t-shirt and say a generic mail or envelope you got from Amazon in bulk, there's no story with that really per se as if you had a custom branding. Like for mine, I have custom zip bag um printed in studio i have a craft mailer with our logo on or not our logo but just a symbol yeah a symbol that we like to use um i include posters with everything so it just really creates more opportunities for the spreading of your brand like somebody could hang up that poster somebody can give it to a friend Uh, it just it gives you more opportunities to tell the story of your brand or your business if you really focus on packaging and um, really allow yourself to invest. I do, I spend a lot on packaging, um, but I, I do think it's really worth it because time and time and time again, I'm always told, oh, this is the best packaging I've ever gotten of anything. And to me, that I'm almost more proud of that than anything else just because it's just taking all these disparate elements and kind of bringing them together in one experience, you know, getting this tissue paper, getting these bags, getting all this stuff from different suppliers, and just bringing them together into one aesthetic experience that's conducive to you and your brand. And each piece remains an artifact that links back to your brand. Like say they give away that poster, say they give that bag away to their friend just to use for whatever. Well, guess what, that that links back to you. Um, Whereas if you just had the one article of closure, yeah, yeah, that's the only, I always think of my um, pieces and my, just anything with my logo on it as an ad, an advocate or an advert not necessarily an advertisement just as an advocate for my brand and my business it's out there yeah like it's out there might as well make it conducive to what it actually is or what it actually stands for so um and like speaking of the packaging um you say it kind of like elevates um the customer's experience it's kind of like you know getting that new iphone and the box is just perfect just, just, oh, you know, engineered by aliens or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just, I remember as a kid, I like open it and just being air, like so airtight. It'd be so, 
satisfying just just it plopping out you know and yeah as a kid it just just made me experience that product a little better so i it and, makes the product like you know look cleaner yeah glass look cleaner like i've i even remember times i'm always like wow that's a really nice box that came in like i've done that and it's just like when you get it it almost makes you like like it even more just because of the package so yeah there's a funny enough usually this is with luxury brands or just brands that want to appear higher um status but i was actually from costco i got a box of harry's blaze <laughs> and the packaging experience was just so memorable because of just the packaging was so cool i mean um and there was a, i bought this bracelet from uh cartier and i mean it's just a dainty silk cord pretty much but like for this little thing they had the most package they had like three different boxes they had a envelope and they had a, a wax seal stamp on it like they did the most for this little thing but it's just the experience too that you're buying when you buy it too yeah it's also like that like first impression like for example like you meet your girlfriend's parents you know that first impression you give is how they kind of view you throughout and same like same with your product you know that first impression you get of that product is how they're going to feel about it in the future your brand is an entity it's like a person interacting with the world so like feel like you putting so much energy and effort into how initially it's perceived including the packaging not just the designs is really mm. helping out with uh, your overall image mm. yeah the only thing that i sometimes wish was easier is it's hard to communicate that packaging experience as say you know you could throw the clothes on a model there you go you communicated the clothes or at least how they look on body and whatnot but i mean you could do unboxing videos but you know you lose the physicality i guess as with any video or picture but that's where it really comes out is, you know, when you can actually see it in person. That's why I'd like to do more pop-ups and I'd like to have a retail brick and mortar store someday. Hey, aren't you going to LA this weekend? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually um, flying out tomorrow morning. Um, I've got a conference there and I'm going to have a meeting with some clients uh, tomorrow, like two or so. But yeah, that should be fun. I do have a question. Um, what are your greatest challenges you have faced creating your business or what are some you're currently experiencing? Um, I mean, I could trace all problems back to me, myself, what I'm willing to put in. Accountability. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say it's definitely creating my portfolio because I have a lot of pieces I need to make for my, for my portfolio at least right, three to 500, uh, just different garments, like different type of garments, just to show that you can, you know, you can accurately represent all these different types of garments. And I also um, commodify my portfolio, so I'll sell individual designs as assets that can be downloaded and edited themselves. Um, so that's probably my biggest challenge. And it's also balancing school and this stuff. Yeah, because like, you're, you're in school full-time, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a studio art student, so I'm I'm in the studio a lot, too. Um, just And finding just the energy for all this stuff can be difficult sometimes. Like, I'm trying to even use caffeine. Yeah, no, I don't. You're I've never. animal. Bro, it's different. <laughs> I've never had coffee in my life. Really? Yeah. Is that, like, um a personal thing or, like, some sort of belief, or you just, you just haven't had it? I just haven't had it, and it's just... So late at this point, it's like, I'm, I've had caffeine before. Like, like, why start? Five, six occasions, but my parents weren't really huge into it. They like, my mom likes iced coffee and my sis, my siblings like coffee. I love iced coffee. Oh, yeah. 
have a problem. It's a taste. It's an addiction. So good. Oh, speaking of coffee, is my coffee over there? Creatine? No coffee. No creatine. I'm oh, sorry, that's irrelevant. As you were saying. <laughs> sure. Um, so what are what's your advice you could give to uh people maybe uh that were that are in your past position of like trying to create a business? What what are some steps they can take if they were wanting to create their own business? I'd say I'd say any entrepreneurial journey begins with really searching within yourself and figuring out who you are as an individual and what you really value. So that way you don't just have an aimless, you know, journey in entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is about making money and independence and all that, but you need to find what way works best for you and what really fulfills you. Because at the end of the day, if you're just making money, it's not going to be fulfilling because you'll probably just sing it to materialism and buying things that aren't going to make you happy. It actually has to fill who you are as an individual and what you really want more than just material means. Kind of goes down to spirituality, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. It speaks to a book I've read, like um, David Dieta. I think I mentioned it last podcast, but um, the way of the superior man. It's like you're not, you do not feel fulfilled until you give your gift, and that's entirely unique to you as an individual. And everyone has their own thing they can give, but as long as you don't compromise that. Yeah, no, it's definitely about retaining who you are as an individual. You don't want to, you know, sell an aspect of yourself just to make money. That's not the goal of entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and my goal entrepreneurship um but yeah once you kind of figure yourself out i'd say explore means within your field that or your interests that you can make money off of and also just be wary that it is going to take time i was playing around with adobe illustrator for like two years and just kind of conceptualizing stuff before i even made any designs i was doing clothes i was selling clothes too but uh, like before I actually designed anything or got paid for any of my designs, I was, you know, messing around on my computer for two years before I even allowed myself the possibility that, hey, I can, you know, probably make some decent money with this. I can probably, you know, find new opportunities with this, you know, just by myself. I didn't have any, you know, biggers telling me, bigger ups telling me like, oh, this is possible. I didn't really have any role models in my area because I was in Iowa at the time, kind of middle of nowhere. Uh, it's Iowa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cornfields. I love Iowa, but it's not really conducive to. It's conducive to entrepreneurship, definitely, but not so much creative entrepreneurship as much. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Once you figure out yourself, kind of just go on your journey. Just do a little bit every day. Um, definitely learn. Yeah, I'd say it's learning is the most important thing to do, and even if it's not directly relevant, you know, it doesn't have to be just books about investing, books about business. It can be, you know, philosophy books or just anything that will help you evolve as an individual can be conducive to. It can provide better service. Mm. Yeah. And also, you got to want to do it. You <laughs> have to. You yeah. have to find the grit within yourself. Rip that shit out and do it. That's all I got to say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people in my classes now, they're going to be like, uh, I'm eventually going to own my business, you know. I feel like they're just saying that, you know, you got to like want to do it, like not, not for like, you know, the money or all that, all that other BS and stuff. Yeah. So many people will be waiting for it to like fall into their lap instead of like actually going out there and doing it. They kind of just sit there and like, okay, it's just kind of, kind of fall into my lap and then I'm going to start doing it. Yeah. They mm. just wait for their opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 
the number one thing I would want to tell people is it takes time, patience. Yeah, nothing good happens overnight, and mm-hmm. rarely it does only by luck. But you don't want to you don't want to wait on that one percent chance because it most likely will never happen. In my opinion, anything worth doing is hard. With most things, I think anything worth doing okay. is hard. Yeah, yeah. Like abs wouldn't be worth shit if everyone had them, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like monkey has one banana is valuable, but monkey has 400. Nope. Uh, Excellent. Bananas. <laughs> you worked hard for those bananas. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So has this brand become a good, like, passive income? Well, not yet. Um, or is that what you're working towards? Yeah, the, the most... Um, valuable source of income right now is definitely my design agency because these assets I was talking about earlier, each one makes me passive income and it's a digital asset. So it's unlimited. I can sell a thousand in one day. Whereas if I sell a thousand shirts, I'm out of those shirts. So that way it's my biggest money, um, producer, whereas the brand, it's my biggest money. Sucker. Consumer. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say pit because that in- implies it's never going to be that money. Um, there will be a point yeah. of exponential it's growth. Yeah. Investment. This, the way I'm running it right now, though, it's pretty it's pretty flexible in the terms of upstart cost. Um, but I've made back a fairly good amount. But yeah, anyway, my, uh, my design agency is definitely my best one, too, because with that, I don't have to deal with overhead. I don't have to deal with product. I mean, oh, I digital do, product. I do, but it's digital, yeah. And then... Um, I do free, the way I make money with that is I uh, do freelance and then I also sell my assets. So with the other income stream from that, I'm just trading my time. But most of the time, I just like to create those assets because like I said, each one is just a passive income asset. And I have probably 50 right now and I have them for sale on at least six or seven different marketplaces. And um, eventually I'm going to go into marketing and all that. That's my, that's my summer project because that, that that's a lot more time consuming. That's why I don't do it as much. Managing like advertisements and campaigns and like yeah, the testing uh, and stuff. And just creating the assets too, because I I make everything super detailed because I want it to be the best on the market. I do believe it is. Um, that's why I get hired by some of the individuals I do, just because I'm willing to put in the extra time and the extra effort. But yeah, this summer I'm probably gonna finish up my portfolio. But yeah, that's pa- that's all passive for the most part, like ninety percent passive. So I just you know, collect those royalties and stuff. Out of curiosity, do you have OCD? I might, honestly. <laughs> I either have OCD or I'm just really passionate sometimes. I don't know. Maybe there's not a difference. I feel that. If you're, like, putting something into the world, you want to make sure it's, like, reflects well on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely want it to be of higher quality because I don't see a lot of... That's why I created them myself in the first place. Like, they sell these online. But um, what you use these for, these templates, is just to get stuff designed. It's basically a blueprint for a garment um, is basically what they are. And also you can send them to like a screen printer with your design on it or whatever. The measurements will yeah. and like exactly where to place them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just a template for people to use. And uh, the reason I created them in the first place was because there wasn't really that many good ones out there. So it was just like... Real. Most likely proprietary. Yeah. Ones anyway. Yeah. They. So you saw a problem made a solution pretty much. Yeah, basically. And like it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm gonna fully flesh out that solution soon. Um, I mean, I'm gonna do like Patreon, all that stuff. I'm gonna make my website. I do a couple subscriptions right now, but um, I'm definitely gonna put 
old Jack B. Weiss force into it this summer. <laughs> and hopefully um, build up enough of a passive income stream where I don't have to worry too much about trying to do much freelance anymore. Yeah. So you can focus more on your, your core business. Yeah, exactly. So so in 20, 30 years, you know how many, how people, they make one business and then they tend to make another one, another one, another one? Is, do you think you would do that? Um, Wait, before you answer that question, I need to restart that camera. Oh. Gucci, Gucci. Oh, yeah. This is whack. That thought. I live. Taxes and taxes. <laughs> but yeah, I thought about copping a hoodie, actually. Really? Yeah, I did. I saw it. How much are they? Uh, I'm still calculating pricing, but but uh, hit me up. You can get that friends and family. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. All right, so back to where we were. Okay, so sorry, what was the question? Okay, so <laughs> many entrepreneurs yeah, yeah, they don't okay. just make one business. They they tend to make more and more because you know passive income it just creates more and more. Mm-hmm. So in the future, would your goal be to create like you know all these multi business ideas? I'd say it depends on how many of my fashion and design goals I've reached because I do not I do see it see myself doing it for the rest of my life, but not or money just to get to a certain point and just be for my own enjoyment. Uh, I don't ever want to retire per se. I want to keep doing it, but not, you know, by an intense need for money, you know, and I want, obviously want to be very financially secure, but I'm, I mean, I personally, I have no intense desire to be a billionaire. I mean, I'd be more than happy with That's it. That's a target on your back. Exactly. Just be more like financially stable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You need like money to be comfortable mm-hmm. in today's world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to be a Giorgio Armani. I mean, he's worth probably twelve billion or something. But I mean, it's it just shows that it's possible to do with fashion and design. But uh, honestly, like I want to write books and stuff. I like, feel that. Become like an author, or just write more, or just even just write for myself, just reti- retire to the English countryside and just write all day or just travel the world. Um, and it may be designed for some brand once in a while. Something like that would be cool. But my main goal is in the fashion industry to, you know, get stores or get, you know, m- multiple stores. So I definitely would still be running those. Um, and then just brands on the runway and stuff too. Like maybe own a few, but I don't really need to be Ralph Lauren level or anything like that. Um, Definitely sw- still would be doing it, but I'd probably be semi-retired. I'd like to semi-retire at 30 or 40, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, not, absolutely. Like, yeah. not have to work at 30, but mm-hmm. even choosing to. That, that's my yeah. Yeah, life. Yeah. yeah. Fashion can be very stressful. Like, if you're the head of some fashion brand, you're having to turn out hundreds of designs a day. Stuff's going wrong with production. You know, you're on the runway fixing the models. Like, Do you want that? Maybe for a little bit. Yeah. But not for long. Not, yeah. I feel like you can't sustain that. Yeah. There's this designer I like. Uh, his name's Raph Simmons, and he actually just ended his brand. And he's only like 45 or 50, but he used to be an industrial designer. But has he sold it, or is he just... He just ended it. No, he just, just said... We're done. Yeah. That's funny. Was it still profitable? Yeah, yeah. No, he he's in good standing. Like, he's not some washed... familiar. Yeah, I've heard the name. He's in a couple of... Uh, he's mentioned in a couple of ASAP Rockies. Yeah, so, yeah, that's probably one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he he was in good standing. He, I'm pretty sure he was doing fine financially, the business wise. He just didn't really want to see because what happens with a lot of these designers is 
you know, the longer they're in the market, the more jaded. Yeah, like they end up and say like Macy's or clearance racks, and yeah. a lot of designers don't want that. I mean, it's good for the business per se, but like the ideological, they don't really want to see their like they just at once you get to a certain age with design, they just throw your name on stuff just to sell it. Yeah. Like it's not even stuff you designed anymore. Like once you get company gets to a certain size, you can't review everything. Yeah, so that's why I wouldn't want to get too too big. I'm fine with being a smaller level. As like, yeah, like the brand guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen guess around a couple places, but it looks like they just throw it on there. I mean, I know it's a pretty big brand. It's starting to get a little saturated. Yeah, it's like they just throw it on a plain T-shirt, just guess, and then you see another one that has like a little something different, mm-hmm. and it's like the same thing. And it's like, did they even really design this? Mm-hmm. So, I like seeing stuff that's like unique. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. Yeah, but I I think. Calvin Klein has kind of gone like that too. You kind of see Calvin. Same with Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. Even Ralph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just slapping stuff on T-shirts. Yeah. That's it. I mean, once you get to a certain size, it's really difficult not to. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I just have a question. No, I'm saying. Oh, you're good. You're good. I do have a question though. Um, so a lot of brands is like a lot of excess waste with material mm-hmm. and whatnot. I know at this scale, this level of the game, it's kind of hard to manage, but like, mm-hmm. would that be a part of your, like, I guess, pathos of your brand mm-hmm. to have a sort of like upscale, zero carbon, mm-hmm. um, you know, recycled materials? Or is that like not too I, big on your concerns? I've tried to embed it in my brand DNA. I actually have in my uh, business kind of plan formation that I'm largely going to rely on what's called pre-orders, and that's where the customer orders the piece and then it's put into production because what's usually the deal with the fashion industry and most industries in general is they make bulk orders before they even have any orders from, say, retail stores or customers, DTC, before they even have any orders in that. But um, what my brand is doing, and a lot of other brands do this too, uh, which I really like about the Starbucks streetwear industry is because it's really kind of pushing this to the norm, hopefully. Uh, but is you take and collect orders from, say, retailers. And they've been doing this in retail for a while, but it really hasn't been done with DTC yet, which is a lot of... Direct-to-consumer. Brand- yeah, direct-to-consumer, and a lot of these other brands are doing, which is good to see. And I'm starting to see larger brands do it, but it's, yeah, just collecting orders and then putting it in production. Like, there is downsides, you know, large... There's longer waits, obviously, if you don't have something on hand. And it'll take a few weeks to ship. I mean, there's some brands notorious for almost never shipping their stuff. but so There is drawbacks, but it's much more environment environmentally friendly because you're creating exactly what is wanted. The no exact waste. amount. Yeah, there's almost no waste. I mean, unfortunately... I mean, we're cutting fat, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of waste in the production, but at least it's something that will be... Um, appreciated more and cherished more just because it had to be waited for so sought after yeah it's it's waited for longer it's more it's usually rarer because the way they do these drops is they'll you know you can only buy it for a specific window of time and then they close it because they just can't have continuous ordering of this thing they they have to you know have a short window of purchasing and then they just make it don't so. doesn't TJ Maxx and Marshalls all the bulk stuff from different companies actually goes to TJ Maxx? That's their business model. Yeah, yeah. they buy it for cheap since no one wanted it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, so, I mean, if everyone did pre-order, they'd go out of business. Yeah, well, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now they'd be they'd be out. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing else to say. 
Well, um, what what individual or person would you say in your experience has impacted you the most on your entire perception of the world as well as your business plan, beliefs, and, you know, just design in general? If you had to pick one. Yeah, that's a tough question. You had to okay. pick one. There's okay, you get two. You get two? two. You get two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say Vivian Westwood. Vivian Westwood? Yeah, she's a British designer. She passed away not too long ago, actually. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, uh, she, uh, she's one of the only designers like I actually cared to learn about. You know, other people who I find interesting and whatnot. And what's she um, responsible for? Um, was, rather. Basically, what I love, just his, like 17th, 18th century historical fashions and reinterpreting them for the modern uh, era. Basically, that's at the core of what she is. And just punk, she was behind that. The punk aesthetic in the 70s. Oh, yeah? Like, she yeah. was punk with, like, yeah, spikes? Yeah, sex pistols. Like, yeah. she was... Oh, all, all the sex pistols and all that stuff. But, yeah. I'd say her and there's this author named Walter Benjamin. Um, just the aesthetic considerations behind fashion and the way it moves. Um, but Could you name a book he's written? Because yeah, I'm not familiar. Tiger Sprung is the one that I have. It's very loaded. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's, I love it because it blends psychology, sociology, philosophy, historiography with fashion, because fashion isn't really something that's taken seriously academically. I'd say it's a reflection of the thoughts and, like, perceptions of the people of the time. Yeah. It kind of reflects how they would feel and think. Yeah, that's exactly what he goes into. He just goes, he goes, the, one of the aspects, at least, of what he goes into, just because I've never, I love reading and I love when something is taken seriously academically and seriously considered just because fashion is always seen as frivolous like oh yeah it's what people I just wear clothes. it's just yeah. clothes but really it i almost like fashion as a process more than i care about like designers and stuff i just love like observing just the way it moves its history the way new things are made that's why i made the brand yeah the historical reinterpretations that's the thing made like, through garments. all things that are circulating in art, any field of art, including fashion. It's like, there's a book about this. Steal Like an Artist. It's just repurposing older things in a new way. Like you're synthesizing based off the previous inputs. Yeah, I'd say that's why I'd mark him as an influence. I mean, neither of them are very entrepreneurial. In fact, they're probably quite opposite. I mean, it's it's the type of, they have the type of entrepreneurship that, like, they do it, but they're not really... In it for the money? Yeah, yeah, which... They're because they're kind of, I don't know. She always complains about how she thinks her company was too big and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Imagine complaining about your company yeah, too making big. too much money. Darn it! It's all this money I hated. Yeah, she's she loves. I mean, she'd probably just be inside all day with her books. That's the type of. Yeah. She's very old. I mean, I get it. She just rode her bike still. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's different mindsets over there in England. How many, uh, well, not celebrities, how many uh, designers have you, like, actually met? Have you met any? Um, no. I'm I'm sure I'll meet some this weekend, but. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't know. They're always low-key. Like, it's not like they're, like, an athlete or a rapper or a musician. You know, yeah. you see them in public, you recognize them. I mean, most most of the time, they're we're pretty shy for the most part. Um, I mean, I'm, I post up sometimes on the, on the gram and whatnot, but. I mean, if I was like, I mean, that'd be kind of nice because you could, you know, your name could have clout. Like, I'd, I'd maybe reckon, I'd recognize Ralph Lauren and maybe recognize Tommy Hilfiger, but 
like besides that you know maybe some of the niche designers that i like but i'm talking big brand designers i'm not sure i'd recognize a lot of them and that's probably nice because you you're getting paid like you're an a-lister but you can probably go to mcdonald's still and and not get mugged yeah. with just crowds of people because you're not a public figure per se yet your work is still influencing the public. Yeah. You have name recognition, but not necessarily facial recognition. Yeah, it's more power behind the brand. Mm-hmm. And if people do recognize you, they're probably in. They probably care about your stuff. Like, like if you really, I mean, I'm sure there was pictures of Calvin Klein all over magazine. I personally won't recognize him. I don't know what he yeah, I'm looks like. I think what he looks like. I can't think. I know what Ralph uh, Lauren yeah. looks. He's like. like a short guy with white hair. But as for Calvin, no idea. Yeah, no, I, I would. It's like Ralph was Switz or something. That's his real name. But yeah, I definitely recognize him. But um, I would not recognize probably many other like star tier designers, like billionaire designers. I'm not sure I'd recognize many, which would probably be unfortunate because imagine, imagine meeting one, that'd be crazy. And he'd be willing to talk to you, like how much you, get, you could learn. Yeah. yeah. Who's the designer at Burberry? Um, I don't know. They have new creative directors all the time. I know the CEO is like some woman. Yeah. I, I forget her name. Yeah, they, a lot of those brands, they change out creative directors like every three, four years just to keep things fresh. That's actually one of my goals in fashion is to become a creative director of some brand I like. Like, I, my dream job would be working with a small brand that has a lot of potential. Growing just, it. Yeah, bringing them up. Because I love, I love working with histories that already exist and just kind of. Adapting it. Yeah, or just like even working with individuals and showing them their potential and stuff. I think that's really fun. Would you really do fulfilling. coaching or just be like an independent? Um, um, definitely coaching. I was actually seriously considering that um, in the future, like as I build this design agency and maybe hire employees and could I company. Yeah, like there was a book I was reading and one of the ladies uh, in it, you ran a fashion consulting agency. I was thinking like I could make that an aspect of my business, you know, consulting, coaching. I actually do that right now. I include it with my clients. What's it called? Uh, it's just included with the packaging. Oh, like if a customer comes to me for say some design documents, I'll include it for free just because, you know, I have to charge CoreLive to what I am. I'm still, you know, pretty small and whatnot. So I'm not going to charge you $200 an hour or something like that. <laughs> but um, I include it for now. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to make that an aspect. And even for free too. Like I was telling you about that score mentor thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this website. It's called score.org, I believe. But they've got like free mentorships on there, like volunteers. You know, yeah, you, you guys should. Big bang, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna check it. Out. Yeah, because like it'd be like Fortune 500 company CEO available. Just wants this to give Tuesday. back. Yeah, like really? they'll give free advice, like lawyers, accountants, just random people. Uh, those. Why don't they tell you that in school? I don't know. I, I I didn't know about this until I read a business book, and this is this was like from 2013. So the book is from 2013, but I read it recently. And I thought maybe it'd be like outdated or something, but now they still they still on it too. Yeah, and it's not just old people. There's like people who are like you know 30s, 40s, like people still working, hitting their stride. Yeah. So I mean, if you just need general business advice, retirement advice, investing advice, I mean, there's so many niche people on there. It's kind of cool. Like there was one of the people I remember. He was a cook who owned like a few different restaurants. I don't know, this random like any niche could probably find their person. The the one of the guys that I talked to once in a while, he's a been doing e-com basically since it was a thing e-commerce was a thing pretty much he's been doing like 20 30 years i mean probably saw it from you probably saw it come into existence since ebay yeah yeah it's crazy to me i mean right now i'm not to the scale that his 
advice can really be relevant just because I'm not really doing it like the old school way. But I mean, it's still nice just to have somebody like that in your like email list or oftentimes too, they give out their numbers. So I mean, it's surprisingly. You build a network. Yeah. It's everything's really friendly. Yeah. I know. Every time I go in there, I'm just taken aback by how available these people make themselves. I'm like, I'm in my back of my head. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm not going to get a bill because this shit is too good to be true. Valuable. (laughs) The connections are really important. Just, just like, yeah, that's how you can really grow a business is connections. That's what you know. It's what you know. I'm surprised they don't even talk about it here. Like, That's how I kind of think about college. I'm not necessarily going here just for school, just to get a degree so I can work under someone. I'm doing it so I can find the right people, so I could get the right advice on how to succeed. Yeah, you never maybe know. even get some good advice to someone else who wants to succeed. So it happened to my brother the other day, actually. He just got um a job despite having no experience and no, no degree in um digital realty. They do um data management and like storage for TikTok. Um, just because he knew... Um, it was like a family friend. He just referred him, yeah. had a good interview, and now he's like has a starting job with like a killer salary. That was just connections. Connections. Like when I did HVAC, I didn't know anything about HVAC, but I knew the guy like my whole life, and he gave me a job. Yeah, right. this kindness pays dividends. Yeah. yeah, a little little bit of gratitude goes a long way. Exactly. Exactly. This. What's your favorite brand? Um, like all time favorite brand. I say considering like my whole life and what I've worn my whole life, probably just Ralph Lauren. I still wear it a lot. Classic. Yeah. That shirt, Ralph Lauren. No, this is Burberry. Um, I do wear Ralph Lauren sweaters all the time. Still though. The bear. I love the bear ones. Yeah, yeah those go hard. Um, just like considering what I've worn all my life, like I wore that a lot as a kid because my mom used to work at Macy's. Uh, I say, I say, yeah, probably Ralph Lauren or. I don't know. I love random stuff. Like, I still love to thrift a lot and just buy clothes. I don't even That's know the, the brand. Yeah. Cheaper. It's just cheaper. Clothes are made much better. Cheaper. Like, much nicer. I'm pretty sure these jeans are from Kohl's <laughs> from the 90s. Hey, they're hard, though. Yeah. Like, these shoes are. Uh, yeah, tell them about the shoes. Show them the shoes. <laughs> yeah. These shoes are from. Whip them out right now. The dogs. These are shoes are from. These are actually like 70s German army trainers, Austrian army trainers, I believe. I bought them on Etsy. Holy shit, dude. What size are you? 13, right? I wear 13 to 15. If I like the shoe a lot, I wear 15. <laughs> I was the size 15 shoes just because it was cheaper. You know what big feet means? Big sacks. Yes, sir. Always stay in that white Nike crew size. <laughs> Bold it down. I love it. Yes, yeah, sir. Half it. Half it. Essential. Um. Oh. What? What? About <laughs> it. <laughs> Mike's trying to crumble his neck. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there we go. See. That pick up? You can't forget the back. I hope that picked up. So, like a WWE finisher right there. <laughs> but, um, so, what else do you have cooking? What's coming up? Don't What's you your drop coming up? Yeah, yeah. I'll have a. My Ivy collection, everything green. You know how I'm feeling. Um, and when's the date? 420. <laughs> and it's green? <laughs> everything green. Nah, I don't even... I don't even... It wasn't intentional, but... I don't even... Kind of crazy. On incidents. <laughs> no, I just... I was like, I'm going to drop... Because I want to give myself 30 days to run ads and all this stuff. Um, You're doing that with the meta, right? Yeah, it was on your yeah. website. Like, yeah. 30-day countdown or something? Yeah, yeah. Um... But basically, I want to give myself enough time for promotion. I knew it was going to drop in late April. And I didn't want to just choose some arbitrary date, like April 29th. 
I kind of wanted to choose something that was fun, you know, a little memorable. People would be kind of paying special attention that day anyway. It's just not another monotonous day. There's actually something, you know, going on that day, even if it's something that people don't really partake in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny day, like, ah, it's 420. Yeah. Ah, we would have done April 30th. That's my birthday. I would have remembered that day for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, shit, I mean, there's probably like 2% of people who got a birthday on some random yeah. day. So even, that's my birthday. Yeah. No, but um, any closing statements as well as plugs you'd like to make? Mm. Can I plug my Instagram? Of course, okay. of course. My Instagram is at Jack B. Weiss, W-I-E-S-E. Sorry, yes, sir. Uh, you can find my other entrepreneurial ventures on there. Uh, like closing tree? No, no link tree, but I just have the uh, the ats of the gotcha. two things. I'd say closing remarks is go learn something new today. Word. And uh, you two, would you like to plug yourselves real quick? Um, IG, Cody, C-O-D-Y underscore Faust, F-A-U-S-T underscore. Move stupid large way. Uh, IG, Russia dot the dot man. But um, yeah, well, thank you so much for coming today. It was an absolute joy talking to you, blessing us with your knowledge. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Of course, of course, sir. Sir. (laughs) And um, we hope you enjoyed episode, I guess, two. Yes, episode two of the Pursuits of Productivity podcast. Um, Cartland. Uh, the person who graciously lets us use the space uh, ushered me to hurry it up. So, gotcha, gotcha. or else we could talk to you all day. But uh, yeah, there's lots. I have a lot of half cooked thoughts to. Suppose. I know. I know. Probably should get talk longer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you can come back. Yes, hey, featuring next episode sometime in the future. Most definitely. Yes. Return yeah. after the release. <laughs> so what now? So return of Jack. Return of the Jack. All right, well, be sure to check out my boy Jack at his brand, hrmtg.com, right? Because you got rid of that previous. O-U-I-H-R-M-T-G.com. We. 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 I saw that. I yeah. saw that on there. <laughs> yeah. All right. It kind of made me giggle when I saw that. You know what to do. Peace. <laughs>